Hey friends, we're back for another episode of BSE and we got some huge news this week. This week I'm joined by a dun, 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 new guest host and you've met her before but we're gonna intro her again, remind you who she is. She is freaking awesome, good friend of mine and I'm gonna let you take a quick guess who it could be and then I'm just gonna tell you. <laughs> It's not Tori this time. Who is it? (laughs) Whose voice is this? (laughs) My friend Indra is going to be co-hosting a few episodes with us in the future. So we'll do a little intro to her, remind you who she is, what she's up to. And we'll have her on here and there. And and I'm stoked. Like She is such a good interviewer and brings such a wealth of knowledge. So Indra, remind everyone, who are you? Hi, everyone. Thanks, Renee. I'm Indra. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm super grateful to live on the unsurrendered territory of the Squamish First Nation in Squamish, British Columbia. Uh, yeah, stoked to be here. Stoked to, stoked to be coming through your speakers, through your headphones every once in a while. Um, I am the founder of an organization called Inclusivity. And I'm also an advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion in all realms of life, but with a particular interest in the snow sport community. So really excited just to keep running my own mouth uh, on a more regular basis. And thank you to Renee and Tori for inviting me along the ride here. I love it when you run your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Makes one of us. (laughs) Today on BSE, we interviewed Is Lamott. Is is based in Salt Lake City, working out of Utah Snowbird area. She is a photographer. She's a videographer. We talked about her journey in the industry. We talked about sustainability. She's recently bought a cabin in Vermont. So we chat about that a little bit and, and how it can be so nice to just slow down. Um, what it's like being a creative because I think when you're setting your own schedule, people don't necessarily know what that looks like if you're a nine to fiver. So it's kind of cool just to hear how do people actually really make this work and where did she start? How did she get where she is? What are some cool projects she's done? We really enjoyed this conversation with Iz. So I hope you enjoy it really as well. And I can't wait for you all to listen to it and get to know her because she is a freaking gem. This week's episode BSE dropping in three, two, one. All right, before we get into this episode, a couple ads for you from our awesome partners. First up, we have Spot Insurance. And let's face it, if you're a hot girl doing hot girl things, the risk of injury is always present. Trying is hot, (laughs) but if you send it too hard, you're just one incident away from crushing medical expenses. Nobody ever plans to end up in a hospital bed, but the last thing that anyone should be worried about when you're in that situation is how you're going to financially come back from an injury. Spot insurance is going to be your friend. They are available at the individual level and they're available at the business level. And Spot Insurance believes that your health and your safety should be a priority. So their help 
they're there to help you lighten the load of the burden of unexpected health expenses. They can cover up to $25,000 out-of-pocket medical bills per incident with zero deductible. That is huge. Um, so athletes, you can focus on a full, quick recovery so that you can get back to living your best life. Spot partners with ski resorts such as Telluride and Taos. They partner with organizations like USA Cycling, events such as Red Bull Last Stand. And the way that they do it is very integrated with the booking platform. So all the heavy lifting is already done so that guests can be covered. So when you're getting your lift ticket membership registration, as a business partnering with Spot, your guests can be set up to be covered as they're signing up for the event that you're running. So you could be an individual, you could be a business, and Spot has you either way. Visit www.outofbounds.getspot.com to partner with Spot and provide yourself and your customers with peace of mind. That's outofbounds.getspot.com. Keep doing hot girl things, keep sending, trying is hot. But if you ever have an accident, get Spot, they will have your back. We also have a new partner this week. So Sierra Nevada, I am stoked to be working with these guys. At Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, they are doing some awesome things. They're setting a standard for craft brewers worldwide with innovations in brewing and sustainability efforts. You can see a little bit more about what specifically they're doing at um, www.sierranevada.com. But it's pretty cool to see how they're taking the brewing process and just really trying to, for the sake of the term, reduce, reuse, recycle what they can so that waste is limited and water is conserved, composting, et cetera, et cetera. So a couple beers that I want to talk to you guys about. I love craft beer. It's my thing. Um, favorite Favorite apres drink has got to be a good beer. So a couple beers we're going to chat about here. First off is the Sunny Little Thing. So this is a citrus wheat ale. It's nice and smooth. You're going to get citrus in every sip. And it is part of a family. Um, so you've got your hazy little thing, big little thing, and wild little thing. So you got your Sunny Little Thing Wheat Ale, Citrus Wheat Ale, Hazy IPA, Big Imperial IPA Little Thing, and then the Wild, which is a, a slightly pale, or sorry, slightly sour ale is your Wild Little Thing. So whole family there, and you can buy them wherever you buy good beer. So something in it for everyone in that, in that little family, and all you gotta figure out is what is your thing. Next beer I want to highlight quickly is the OG Green Can Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. And this beer is like nostalgic for me because when I think of going to ski movie premieres, this is the beer that comes to mind is getting this one out of the ice cooler, going, sitting down and watching all the new ski movies in October, beginning of the season, getting stoked. So this is one of their originals. I can tell you from experience, it's delicious. Uh, try it out. Wherever you buy your beer, 
if you like good beer, highly recommend Sierra Nevada Brewing. And you can read all about their different flavors at www.sierranevada.com. And stoked to bring you our episode and we'll get going on that. All right, well, should we do it? Yeah. Are yeah. we doing it right now? <laughs> doing it right now. Right we here, are. right now. Like? Yeah, is introduce yourself. Who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? ABC, too long yeah, to read, however you want to do it. Elevator yeah. pitch. All right. Hello, I am Is Lamont. I'm an outdoor adventure um, and lifestyle photographer and filmmaker based out of Salt Lake um, and soon to be splitting my time between Salt Lake and Vermont. Um, I'm originally from the Catskills in New York, um, so about two hours north of New York City. But I've been out west for five years and in Salt Lake for four, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. The years always kind of stack up pretty fast. What brought you out to the West Coast? Um, I went to school. I went to the University of Vermont. Um, and when I was there, I basically went there because of the skiing. <laughs> um, and then after school, I was kind of looking for the next next biggest place to go skiing. Um, and I moved out to Crested Butte, Colorado for a year after school. And then um, was looking kind of for what was next. And during my senior year of college, I was working on a ski film, um, creating a ski film. And we went to Alta for a segment to film. And I was in that phase where I was like, you know, it was like February of senior year of college. And I was like, the world is ending. Like, what am I going to do? All my friends are going in different directions. Don't want college to end. And then I went and stayed at the gold miner's daughter which is the lodge like right at the base of alta um with a friend for a week and i was like oh wait this is better than college you get to ski every day with your friends hang out with your friends work but you like don't have homework um and so when i was figuring out what was next i was like i'm gonna go to like my favorite place I've ever skied, which was Alta. Um, so I moved to Salt Lake in January of 2018 um, and have been here every winter since. I've spent the summers kind of bopping around until COVID hit. Um, but yeah, been been in Salt Lake since, since 2018. Did you study film, photo stuff in school or something completely unrelated? Um, so I started as a film and television major at UVM um I didn't really jive with the program super well um it was a lot of theory and history which is obviously really important but not just didn't really spark my interest um and I actually called my parents my sophomore spring and told them that I wanted to drop out of college and move out west and make ski films um Valhalla like Sweetgrass Films Valhalla had been doing a tour around the country um at that point and uh or so I guess it was my soft sophomore fall um and they came to UVM and I watched it and I was like that is it like that's what I want to do like was super stoked on it so I called my parents and my parents were like um absolutely not <laughs> figure it out um and I had 
uh, I had, I was already signed up to study abroad um, for a semester and they were like, we'll make you a deal, go study abroad and, you know, figure out or see how that goes. And when you come back, we can talk. And uh, basically while I was abroad, I decided to switch my minor and my major. My minor was environmental studies at the time. And I flipped the two and totally catered environmental studies to the arts and like used my camera for like every project that I was assigned. Um, And so basically got a degree in environmental studies with a focus on the arts um, and stuck with it. And I'm mom will be happy to hear this. I'm really glad I did. (laughs) Um, Some of my, like my very best friends I made in those like uh, second two years of school and yeah, just a lot of really awesome experiences in the Green Mountains. And I'm glad I, glad I stuck through it. Where did you go abroad? Um, I studied abroad in Bolivia. um, And basically I went to my advisor uh, my sophomore year and was like, I want to study abroad uh, junior fall, I want to do something with filmmaking or photography or something. And I was like, what are my options? And they said, you can either go to film school in Prague, or you can go do this program in Bolivia. And at the end, every student gets to do an independent project. Um, and you can cater it to like, whatever you want. You don't have to write a paper. Um, And I'm really, I was really fortunate. Um, My grandparents, my mom was born in Germany. um, So my grandparents have lived in Germany my entire life. Um, So we like once a year, once every other year, we would get to go over to Europe and um, spend time with them. And I just kind of decided I wanted to do something. I like had never, go somewhere that I'd never been before. Um, And I remember going to my parents and being like, I've decided I'm going to study abroad in Bolivia. And they were like, all right okay, <laughs> let's do it. So um, yeah, I, I studied abroad with 24 or 23 other American students in a Bolivian university and we all lived with host families and it was like super immersive and one of the best experiences I've ever had. That's so dope. Um, pivoting a bit to your degree with a focus on environmentalism, are there ways in which that impacts the way in which you take photos the way in which you conduct yourself as a photographer especially like land-based nature-based photography yeah I think having that background um specifically one class that I took um which was landscape photography photography during that time um kind of like trained my eye um in terms of trying to capture these natural spaces um, as they are, um, and in, hopefully in a beautiful way that can be shown to others. Um, I have in the past and you know would like to as much as I can going forward, um, done some film projects that are environmentally focused. Um, my senior thesis in school was a a film that used skiing to talk about climate change um, and try and like have that conversation with skiers. Um, And I think more and more so that's become more popular and more um, just more addressed. And I mean, that was in 2016. So eight years later, it's because I I like to think that it's spoken about more. Um, And then since then I've done a few projects kind of talking about land use and 
um, environmental issues in that way. But yeah, it's something that I always keep in mind and keep in mind too when working with brands um, because a lot of the work that I do now is brand focused and you know in the beginning I I mean in my mind I'm still very much in the beginning of my career I've only been a full-time photographer for this was my fourth winter Um, and you know in the beginning it's like say yes to anything that comes your way and um, I feel like I'm just kind of getting to a point where I'm moving away from that a little bit um, and getting to have a bit more say in in who I'm working with um, and just trying to start being really intentional about who those brands are and you know like who I'm quote-unquote supporting by being contracted by them and whatnot so yeah just trying to you know I think there's obviously a lot of power behind the dollar um, and like where your money goes and I think it kind of can be said from the opposite side too of like if I'm working for a brand um, then I'm helping them get those dollars and I want brands who are doing good to to be the future of that I love that when you're looking to work with brands is there something in particular that sticks out to you or like what are things that make you say like yes I would love to work with this one or no I would love not work to work with this one and you don't have to say names by any means like feel free to shout out ones that you love but like you don't have to like put (laughs) anyone on on blast here um just like general like what are things that you like or don't like about certain brands in terms of what makes you choose to work with them or not totally um so I think we're in this really unique age of brands trying to hmm, I don't know how to say this but brands trying to do the right thing I guess and it's become in my opinion pretty obvious over the past two-ish years like who means it and who is checking a box Um, and I think I've just tried to become really thoughtful and like really observant to that Um, and yeah, I'm not going to name any names, but there's definitely some folks or some brands out there who you can tell are just doing it so that they look good or so that they're, I don't know, it's like, I guess like greenwashing, um, but like in an all around sense um, and just trying, yeah, I guess trying to be observant of that. Um, and, you know, I, it, you know, I'm still, as I said, in the beginning of my career, so it's not always like a hard yes or a hard no but sometimes I learn from like after the fact from working with a brand of like okay that was good or that wasn't good or um I actually (laughs) have a spreadsheet on my computer of all the brands I've worked with and I have like different columns of like like boxes that I want them to check for me to want to work with them again um so like it can be anything from like was it did I have fun to like, did they pay me what I'm worth to do they actually give a shit? Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on here, but um, okay, great. Um, Like, I don't know. And they all uh, get a rating. Um, (laughs) I freaking love that. And if you wouldn't mind sharing that spreadsheet, you know, privately with Renee and I, just so we know what we're getting ourselves into, because I'd love to hear your perspective on this, because sometimes I'm 
talent for different photo shoots. And I had an experience recently where they had casted all BIPOC for models, which is really awesome. I'm really grateful that we are getting to the space where representation is becoming more common practice. However, little asterisk beside that, what's really hard for me as a woman of color is when you roll up to the shoot, it's an entirely BIPOC cast, but the crew is entirely white. So everybody behind the camera is white. Everybody like doing production, planning the day, all the stylists, there's no diversity amongst that group. And so then it just feels like icky. Like you kind of just feel like a prop in somebody else's little dollhouse game. And from a perspective where you're a female photographer or a woman who's a photographer, um, you know, do you experience that with gender and just, you know, more holistically, how do you experience your space, your just moving through being a woman in these spaces in a very man-dominated industry of photographers in action sports? Yeah. Um, so look, I'm going to backpedal for a second, but so I f- wanted to be a professional photographer since I was 12 years old. I'm currently 27. Um, I inherited my grandfather's collection of 35 millimeter cameras when he passed away. And I went from being, I want to be a professional ski racer to, I want to shoot photos of professional ski racers. At this point, I haven't really shot any ski racing, (laughs) but that kind of pivoted into like more of the like free ride, big mountain ski scene. Um, and when I made that decision as a 12 year old, um, I, you know, I was watching Warren Miller films with my dad. My dad like was a huge Warren Miller fan, is a huge Warren Miller fan. I was, you know, we were getting magazines to the house and I was looking through them and seeing the photographs and it never really crossed my mind for like my entire upbringing, even into like young adulthood that like all of the names in the magazines and in the films were male names. I never was like, I want to be a, you know, a female ski photographer. It was just, I want to be a ski photographer. Like the gender didn't even cross my mind once as a kid. And I think it didn't really even occur to me that there wasn't a whole lot of representation in terms of female image creators in the outdoor or like ski specific industry and still until I like found my way into it, Um, which was really interesting. Salt Lake is a really cool space. And I feel like I accidentally found myself here. Like I was like, I want to go ski at Alta. And then I came here. I was like, oh, this is a really good place for my career. That's awesome. Um, And there are so many photographers in this valley. It is absolutely incredible. Um, And I think in my, in my opinion, I think that is such a beautiful thing. Like we get to collaborate and we get to have those like conversations about being a freelance creative and like what that means for us or like go, like go to a buddy and ask a question of like, so-and-so wants me to do this shoot. Like what do you, what would you charge? Or like, just like all those conversations when you're first starting out that like 
the freelance world can be so like it just feels super intimidating I feel really lucky that I had a really awesome community around me here that help you know in my opinion we're just all kind of like holding each other up and like supporting each other on the other hand of that there's definitely I've had conversations with folks that see it as competition and I find that really interesting um because I don't know it's a ocean out here and I think there's a lot of opportunities and I think life is a lot more exciting when we get to support each other and lift each other up than like trying to bat each other out of the way to the get to the next thing um so yeah I just feel really grateful for this community um and I kind of found my way into it um the winter of I think it was like February or March of 2018 right after I had moved here um I or this um company that's based out of Whitefish called Wheelie Creative um, posted that they were going to be hosting a female-specific action sports ski workshop, photography workshop at Snowbird. Um, And it was going to be taught by two female photographers, um, Rhee Wickstrom and Abby Cooper. And I remember seeing it and being like, holy shit, this is so cool. And it was three days or two and a half days long. It was $500. And I remember calling my parents and being like, I want to do this thing. Do you think it's ridiculous if I spend money? Like if I pay for this? And they were like, absolutely not. Like, go do that. Like, and I was at the time I was like, oh my God, $500. Like I was working in a ski shop. I just moved here. I didn't know what I was doing. And it was like the best, the best $500 I've ever spent. Um, I take the workshop. Um, a few weeks later, Alta is looking for a new photographer because they need to spread out the workload a bit. They never had a female photographer before. Um, one of the one of the current photographers who is still there reached out to Ree, who was teaching the workshop, and was like, "We're looking for another photographer. Do you have any females who, you know, might might fit the role?" My name got put in the pot, and. I got a couple interviews and I got the job. I found out in July and I freaked out and I was like, this is like my dream. Um, And since then, like I've just, I mean, that job has been invaluable. I've gotten to work with folks that I've looked up to since I was a kid. I've gotten to work with the new, the new people coming into the scene. And um, I think my favorite part of the whole experience has been getting to work with um, the females that are up that canyon or come visit that canyon. Um, at our photographer athlete party that first winter that I was on board, we had my boss like gave a announcement and like introduced everybody. He was like, "Is our new photographer? She's me on staff, shooting two days a week." Um, and two of the female athletes came up to me afterwards and were like, "We're so excited to shoot with a woman! Like this is so awesome!" And I think it was like that moment that I was like, "Oh." maybe, maybe this does matter. And maybe this representation is important. And like, I know that now, but in the moment, I was just like, I don't know, I like, I like to take pictures. And in my opinion, it didn't really matter what my gender was. But I I think that moment made me realize that, like, maybe it does. Um, Totally. And since then, just like trying to 
I don't know. I think ma- the majority of the athletes at Alta that I'm shooting with are women and that's intentional. Like I just love those. Like I love shooting with anybody. I love shooting with the guys, but the moments that I have on the mountain with other females is just so special. There's like so many pieces in there too, because I think the reason, maybe one of the reasons that those women feel so much more comfortable with you is just having your photo taken is extremely vulnerable. Even if you're doing a sport and even if you're skiing a line that you've skied time and time again, it's vulnerable. It induces fear. It induces nerves. And sometimes having that like big macho masculinity added into the factor behind a camera can be really intimidating. It can be scary. It can be uncomfortable. Like Renee, I'll let you hop in in a minute here because I know that you have tons of opinions about experiences with men who are photographers, but like the psychological safety element of having a woman hyping you up before she takes your photo. Like I almost work almost exclusively with women who are photographers and and also side note Abby Cooper is a dear friend of mine so I am so excited to relay back how important that course was because she is so crucial to a lot of the work that I do uh in like the guiding space um and can again just like because having a woman facilitating that space leading that space a like helps you like as a photographer like see yourself in that position and then be when you are the photographer like you've been in in the ski boots literally of the women that you're shooting so like you understand them so much more and there's like that psychological safety element to all of it that I think is so massive for girls when they see you coming onto set like I'm sure for them it just like big time huge exhale sets them in like relief yeah yeah psychological safety (laughs) you know like I when I shoot with women I have never been called a pet name and I have never had any comments made about my body and you think wearing full ski gear that you wouldn't necessarily have to deal with body comments but I've had someone come up to me after a shoot and one of the other athletes and say hey like when you were boot packing that thing like the photographer said this about your butt I'm like, oh, it just like makes you never want to ever work with that person ever again because I'm there as an athlete for my skills, not because I'm hot. And I don't want to feel like anyone is bringing me out because they think I'm hot or like, and like, to kind of like you. gross, gross, slimy feeling like that. Like, it doesn't make me feel good and it doesn't make me feel safe because it's not what I'm there for. And it, oh, it just is like, ugh, like, ugh. And getting called pet names when you're going to do something like, oh, yeah, honey, like, just turn here. And it's like, I, that's not me. Like, I can, I can fucking make 10 centimeters look like 30. Like, you don't need to call me a pet name about it. <laughs> yeah. That's and it's just like <laughs> something that shouldn't even be part of the conversation, right? Because, like, you're professionals, we're professionals. We're both, like, acting in this professional space to create something for ourselves or for a brand or some sort of client and we're just here to do our thing like it doesn't like I don't know it blows it it shouldn't blow my mind but it blows my mind that that even comes into it because we're we're all just here trying to trying to make some magic and honestly just like have fun it shouldn't be an unsafe space we're out in the mountains 
yeah. Like the athletes should just be expected. There should be no expectation for how they should arrive other than themselves. They shouldn't have to ever arrive with a guard up because they're going to be become like a sexual object and like objectified on set. That should never be a fear. And so no. right now the answer is, is having women as photographers who are there um, taking photos of other women and hopefully in the future as we slowly break down the toxic masculinity that exists within skiing all genders can shoot all genders but right now it, we're really grateful that um, you're in this space is it's super important and I'm sure it makes a lot of people feel really just yeah at peace thanks mm -hmm. I hope so and it's funny uh, it's a little different but it's you know out there on a powder day and I get the question a lot of like you're like sacrificing your ski days to shoot photos and it's funny and I've talked to other photographers that have had the same experience um my one of my coworkers at Alta Rocco Rocco and I have had this chat a few times of like just the being out there and like being in the elements and like feeling like that those natural things around you and like creating art in that like really powerful space and powerful moment and getting to like I think it touches back to like someone being in that vulnerable space in front of the camera and like some folks are at a point where they're used to it and like don't think about it as much maybe but like being in that space and hyping somebody up in front of the camera and seeing them ski like two feet of blower pow and like getting to the bottom like there's so many times that an athlete has gotten to the bottom of their run and gotten down to me and we're both just like maniacally laughing because we are so stoked and I always say like that's how if you're shooting with me that's how you know that we got a good photo is because I just start like hysterically laughing and I sound like just like I'm losing it but it just is the like that feeling of being out there and like I'll get my pow wiggles, photog wiggles on the side, and I'm fine with that because, like, when all those elements come together, oh, it's just the best feeling ever. Yeah. And I have to say, too, like, if I'm looking at photos, sometimes I love the aesthetic of different styles that women might have for men. Like, before we put the, like, gender conversation to rest, I just want to say that, like, something that I see as an athlete and someone who consumes a lot of media is I absolutely love seeing that just slight variation in style or the way that there might be a slightly like feminine touch to the editing or the colors or the framing or just like the different ways of seeing beauty. Cause you kind of alluded to that of just like being in the moment and in those spaces and, and feeling nature and, and just seeing the little beauty in things. And I find that just having more variety in the people that are taking the photos, not only the people in the photos, but people taking the photos just gives you that like just little subtlety sometimes where some photographers just capture light differently than the next one would and just have that slightly different touch on it. And it's so beautiful to me, even just like in ski photography, like I see that as an athlete now, like having seen so many photos shot with multiple different people and it's just like a slightly different aesthetic that comes out, I think, when I work with women as yeah, like I an think, anecdotal thing. <laughs> I think that can be like, it's like the same thing that can come across like any art form, right? And like any 
like we all have all these like decisions or things that have happened to us or circumstances that like brings us to like every moment in our lives and I think like no matter what the art form is or it doesn't even have to be art but like maybe it's a conversation like all of those little things give us a different eye to something and I think that's like the this is getting like real deep but I think that's just like the beauty of like living of like all of us all of our experiences give us a different perspective and like when it comes to art that can create you can I can stand in the same spot as somebody else and take the same photo of the same thing it can come out completely different and I think that's like one of the to me that's one of the coolest things about photography is just everybody sees the world in a different way totally and like the ways in which our histories shape our perspective shape our take on things and that's why it's so important to have, yeah, women in these spaces, to have queer folks in these spaces, people of color. And even like backpedaling a little bit back to what you were saying about, you know, commentary on wasting ear pow days on taking photos, quote unquote, wasting. <laughs> I think there's an element there too of like, there's a divide or, or there's like, yeah, there's a divide in, in terms of how people value skiing and outdoor recreation as a whole. And where that comment to me feels rooted in is that selfish end of recreation where it's that, that like, I am here to recreate and I am here to like, I, it, it's this like perspective that I don't like at all about these sports, but like, I am here to conquer the day. And it's like a super colonial take that people have on things. And it's not based in community. It's based on your experience that day, wanting to make the best out of what the land has to offer instead of creating and sitting in something beautiful in community and experiencing it as a group, as, you know, sharing that experience. And so I feel like, yeah, commentary like that really reminds me of, of the divided ways and or the different ways in which we all experience at recreation and, and those kinds of spaces too. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, I, I just the seeing a photo of someone where they feel like I don't know you like we've all had photos taken of ourselves and some of them you're like okay and then some of them you see it and you're like that is me like that person in that photo like I feel happy to see this and I'm stoked and I just like feel like my true self and when people I think like being able to create that moment for someone and just like capture any moment in time is really really special and like I feel really honored um, that people trust me to be in that space and to include me in those moments. And I was talking to a friend last week and I took a photo of him and it was like this silly photo. And he was like, can I, can I have a copy of that? And I sent it, I texted it to him and he was like, I'm going to send it to my mom. And I was like, honestly, my favorite photos to take are the ones that people want to send to their mom. <laughs> like forget everything else. Like though, that's just like, I don't know when people like see themselves that's that's really special it's also like a huge testament not to pump your tires even more but <laughs> it's it's a huge testament to you and the way that you're able to make people feel comfortable enough to be themselves right like I've worked with photographers where you kind of just feel like you're acting and you're there just like to fulfill the role for the day but somebody when you show up who makes you feel like they see you and that they're your buddy and that you feel comfortable just to be your most authentic self and then to get that photo that you want to show to your mom because that's like the child that they know and love, like that's massive. And that's a huge kudos to you because it, it, it shows that you're creating a safe, 
super fun space where somebody can just roll up and be like, this is me. And you're like, awesome. Nice to meet you. Let's have a great day. That's what it sounds like to me. Thanks. Yeah. I think (laughs) it's, uh, I don't know. I think community is huge. Um, and a a lot of places I've chosen to be in life were like based on like, like I want to go to UVM because they were skiing and it looked really fun. The mountains were bigger than where I grew up. And then I found like a really awesome community there. And then I moved to Salt Lake because the mountains are even bigger and that sounded even cooler and the snow was even deeper. And then I found a really awesome community. And I think I've just learned uh, over like all the years that when it comes down to it, like you could be anywhere in the world and the people are the most important part. Yeah. Preach. Preach. (laughs) One thing that I kind of wanted to ask you about, because I actually on the way home from the ski hill today had this conversation with my friend because she asked me about brands that I work with and how that's structured and it's really in the last year that I've started to kind of believe my own worth um, because as a photographer or a filmer like you are the one that's setting your own prices and I think that it's really important because also like as an aside like outdoor industry seems so hush hush and you mentioned that in Salt Lake like people have been really helpful for you which is great but when you're trying to figure out like okay well what should I ask for for this there is no standard like you are having to determine for yourself okay my time is worth this my skill is worth this my social media accounts like whatever value it is that you have the way that you write the photos you take the photos that you post of yourself like they have x value and for myself I when I started getting support from brands I was just getting gear and there's such an attitude in the industry that's kind of unspoken where it's like if you're getting something you should just be lucky that you're getting something and at first I was because I was like you know like I'm just getting started and I'm like stoked to just have any help I can get because it means I can ski more because I'm spending less money on my gear and it like does really help to a degree but now I have a full-time job. So if I'm then doing brand work, like I already make enough money to live. Like I don't necessarily need extra and I'm very privileged to be in that position. But then I get these contracts from brands that are like, we want you to post X number of photos, but like you just get gear. And I'm like, okay, well, first off, I never sign those. I send them right back saying, absolutely not, because this is why. My photographer that's going to take those photos is probably going to charge X number of dollars because you want a high quality photo and a high quality photo that doesn't come off an iPhone from a reputable person is going to cost you this many dollars. Also, I have to drive up to the hill and use my own ski pass and I am doing this on my day off. So that's a day that I could be using for myself and I'm choosing to use it to work for you. You're going to be making money off of everything that I'm doing today. And you're relying on my skill as an athlete, maybe my looks, who knows. And that also is worth something. And just getting gear is like, yes, there are some things where I'm happy to just get gear. And I know that I like people will buy it because I post a photo of it or they ask me about it and then they get it. And like, that's totally fine if it's a brand that I have a really good relationship with and I'm like happy to have that conversation. But I just like cannot with these, like you need to post this many high quality photos in a year, but like, we're just gonna send you this product. And I know that all brands are not made of money, but like, 
something. people are also worth something and well, especially like renee they're profiting like for you like they're profiting off of you being a woman and for me they're profiting off of me being a woman of color and so it's like they're gonna get these assets and they're gonna use the crap out of them they're gonna continue to profit off of our likeness because because of our photos people can see themselves represented maybe they like will go and then buy the gear like they will continue to socially profit off of us and all you got was a fucking jacket like the jacket doesn't fill the gas tank straight up um sorry just had to add that one in but it's tough because society's failed us because they taught us that talking about money was really dirty and then what does that do that keeps women women of color queer folks like all traditionally marginalized folks it keeps us at the bottom because nobody told us that we should be talking about money that we should be comparing rates that we should be helping each other get to the freaking top is what do you think about this I will quickly add in that I have talked to pro athletes who like in their contracts it will be written that they're not supposed to talk to other people how much they're making so brands yes. like uh, and like again like it's like not my information to give out because <laughs> whatever but um there are brands that work with pro athletes and you wonder why like some people don't make as much as other people. It's because they don't know their worth because they don't know what other people are making. And maybe they're the better athlete, but the brand is getting away with paying them less because they're not supposed to talk to other people about it. So they think they're not supposed to. And then if they do, they find out they're getting shortchanged. <laughs> so it is like actually like a big like underground thing that everyone's just hiding anyway my whole runaround to that was (laughs) how you go about setting your pricing and knowing your worth because you're doing this full time now so you got bills to pay and you're good at it and you've proved that so well man i can like i'll try and keep it short yeah (laughs) i could i could go off on this for a minute um but oh let's see yeah it's complicated um when I first started doing this, pretty much every time I got asked to do something, I had a really amazing mentor named Susie Thies, who is a very talented filmmaker in the industry. Um, and I would call her like every time and be like, so this brand wants me to do this thing. How much do I charge? What do I do? And she was incredible and would answer those calls. <laughs> um, and it's, But it's taken years literal years for me to feel like I understand the the system and there's still times where I feel like my world gets turned upside down and everything I thought was true is no longer true and it really messes with my head and I think being a freelancer it's such a roller coaster because you're like, okay, so do I say yes to this thing, even though it might not be paying me what I'm worth so that I can, you know, cause like maybe I won't get a shoot after this and then I need this money and how does this work? And I mean, the roller coaster, maybe it ends one day, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't. <laughs> um, that, and I think also as a trying to break free of people, pleasing world person um currently actively um I also in the beginning would like just say yeah 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 that 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 price sounds great of course yeah sure I'll do it and I think I just was 
feeling small or making myself small or other people were making me small. And I would just say yes to whatever the number was. I passed that point, which feels really good. Um, But I think just like there's like so many ways you can come to these numbers, right? But I think in the end of the day, being confident in whatever that number is or like, you know, there's a range of numbers or whatever, just being confident in in what you're putting out to the world and knowing that like you have a skill set to back it up. And I feel like this is like a pep talk I'm giving myself when I'm going to need it in like two weeks. Um, <laughs> but I, it's, it's true. Like, you know, as you said, we're the, we're the only ones who get to define our rate or our rates and someone can say yes, or someone can say no. And the game just continues. Um, and as I said, I don't think it'll ever end because you know, you like get to a rate, you're like, I'm confident in this. And then like, yeah, get better. And then you increase your rates and then you keep getting better. And it's like this continuous ladder of like trying to figure it all out. Um, but yeah, doing work for exchanges and gear. I like to say that you can't eat Gore-Tex and I stand by that statement. Um, I think especially I found in the outdoor industry, people just expect that photo and video work is not all the time, but I have found in the past that people expect it to be free. And I think that comes from a lot of things. I think that like the availability of like iPhones and Instagram has added to that. I have a very strong love hate relationship with that app. Um, But I think doing everything we can to move away from that mindset is super important. I also within the past like six months have, you know, with my peers been kind of started being really vocal about money and rates and like not, I've like said pretty straightforward to a bunch of them. Like we need to talk about these things because it's doing nothing but helping us. If we all are like, Ooh, like exactly what you guys said about like society teaching us, we're not supposed to talk about money. Like that's like something we've been told since we were kids. Like it's rude to talk about money. And it's like, actually, this is just like be, this is detrimental to all, to everyone. And if we instead like have this like peer space where we can talk about like what we're charging for this client or what this client wants to pay us or whatever, like we're, we're all going to just be better for it and actually be able to make this this lifestyle and this this career work because it is possible there's so many people out there that say like art isn't a job and like people told me that when I was younger and um that's not true it's not true and like (laughs) the people who told us that like it was rude to talk about money like those are people in power and us talking about money was directly threatening that power right and so we have to like work together to dismantle that we have to get comfortable in the uncomfortable because it's what's going to help us set each other free. Like, it's going to help us better each other. And, like, yeah, back to what you are saying about, like, you can't eat Gore-Tex. People fucking love that trope around, like, pu- publicity for photo and video. Like, they're like, yeah. you take my photos for free and I'll post them on my Instagram with 2,000 followers and you're going to get so much publicity. And it's like, publicity isn't paying the bills, dude. Like, again, yeah. they just continue to keep profiting off of your art, off of your work. Mm-hmm. And you don't get anything for it. Publicity isn't shit. Like, I mean, yeah. some yes, sometimes. But, like, it's not a fair thing to pay people in. It's abstract. It's not real. Yeah, because, yeah, say, Instagram gets deleted tomorrow. Yes. We're, de- like, 
that word that like um engagement and that publicity doesn't it literally doesn't exist anymore and I think in the beginning I was like oh this brand wants to post my photo and then people will see it cool and I was stoked when I was like 21 and I wasn't doing it full-time and now it's just like absolutely not you can't just like profit off of this thing that I've created and not give me actually something that is actually valuable in return not Instagram followers like I love you guys but we need to feed ourselves (laughs) yeah my Instagram followers aren't putting food on the table and inflation is real so like for real come on (laughs) I make jokes about being an influencer but I'm not an influencer enough that I could actually like make a job of this and I don't think I'm suited to that lifestyle anyway which is good that I have another job (laughs) also that I do this (laughs) It is interesting too, though, with like being a creative, you are setting your own schedule, you're setting your own prices, like there are no rules, but there are still some rules, you just have to make them yourself. Like, do you have boundaries with yourself for scheduling? Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, might have triggered no, you. <laughs> no, it's good, it's good. I have been very intentionally working on boundaries this winter um and I think I've made some some leaps and bounds last so the winter of what year is it whatever last winter (laughs) um I was working on two season-long projects and I am so proud of both of them and they were both really really incredible experiences um but I had very few boundaries for myself in terms of like number of days shooting and you know kind of just like what that whole process looked like and it was also very new to me and so I just wanted to like dive in head first and I kind of burn out at the end of the end of the winter um and honestly by the time this winter started again the burnout still hadn't hadn't faded and I was kind of nervous going into this winter and I kind of got around you know feeling that way and and kind of doing that to myself again by being really intentional or trying to be really intentional about, you know, like going skiing for myself and, you know, like saying no to a shoot or a project and being proud of that no and not like getting down on myself about it. Um, And yeah, just like, I don't know, I skied, I think, the the high pressure system that a lot of the country saw for a long time those whole months of January and February honestly helped me ski a lot for myself because work was a little slower because because conditions were not uh fantastic but I got like I keep on saying I feel like I got the most vitamin d in a winter I've ever received in my entire life um (laughs) so yeah just like I think I realized boundaries are really really hard to set especially I think with yourself when you're the one you know, controlling everything, like every single day, I'm making a million decisions about what I want this business to look like. And I'm like, super grateful that I get to be the one making those decisions. Like I understand how much like privilege exists in that. But it can it can be really exhausting. So just like, I don't know, I think just like having grace for yourself and love for yourself and 
you know, when you need to say no, say no. When you need to sit on the couch for a day and not go skiing, sit on the couch for a day and don't go skiing. And that's great. Read a book. <laughs> yes. Read a book. <laughs> I've gotten into that recently. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, I really forgot about that hobby for a while there. <laughs> Happens to me every winter. We had lost years to read. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. Okay, speaking of things that you've done for yourself, while you live on the East Coast, you also now live on – no, while you live on the West Coast, you also <laughs> now are finding your way back to the East Coast. Yeah. Tell us more. Yeah, so in August – um, last summer, my partner and I bought a cabin in Vermont. Um, so he's from Massachusetts. I'm originally from New York. I went to school at the University of Vermont. Um, and we kind of were like, down the road, it'd be really nice to buy a cabin, or not a cabin, just a piece of land <laughs> in the east. So we have like a place to go back to and we want to spend more time there. Um, and he found this cabin online um no running water no electricity outhouse at the moment um and it's about i'm not gonna disclose exactly where it is but it's about 40 minutes east of burlington where i went to school and i still have a bunch of friends there and like i just love that place like oh makes my soul so happy and he showed it to me. He's like, this would be cool. And we're like, yeah, that'd be cool. And the next day we're like, that would be really cool. And it, the land that it's on, we're like, this might be like a once in a lifetime piece of land. Like we were already thinking about it. Maybe this was meant to be. And so we did it. We bought it. And next, this coming summer in like two months, we're going to start splitting our years between spending summers in Vermont, summer and fall. Because how could you miss New England in the fall? Um, and then winters out West. Um, and yeah, it has no amenities. So we're going to be doing a lot of work. Um, but we're going to try to make it kind of this like little sustainable sanctuary, just a half acre of land and, um, put solar on it. And we try to live as, as sustainably as we can here in Salt Lake. Um, but I'm excited to kind of continue that journey there and pretty much just be in an off the grid cabin and I don't know winters are really really busy for me um and so I'm excited to kind of retreat to the woods for the summers and there's like a little swimming hole right down the road and um read a lot of books <laughs> back to the books just like reading. decompress and like also gain a new client base and in, in another place when we first when we like went to closing, like the next day I was in kind of full panic mode and I was like, oh my God, I have to find an entirely new client place in a different place. What did we just do? Was this ridiculous? And like for a half day I was panicking and then I was like, oh, actually this could be really awesome. Like I'm expanding that, that space that I'm in and get to meet even more people and be in a place in the summers that makes my heart really happy and then a place in the winter that does the same. And yeah, we're excited to... I don't know, try and be as good stewards to this to this world as we can by the lifestyle choices that we're making. Mm. You can regret nothing. <laughs> I know, I, I'm already so excited. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you'll have problems getting client base. 
A lot of people who listen to this podcast. I mean, it's based on the East Coast. So anyone listening. Hi, I'm available for hire. <laughs> she's going to be available East Coast in the summer. Just look yes. her up. We'll yes. have her info in this episode. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but I also, like, I grew up in the summers. Uh, every second summer, we would go to East Coast of Canada, where mm. my grandma, her family had land out there. So my dad, when he was young, built this cottage on a lake with his brothers and his parents and it's still alive and well today and it was just this like perfect serenity for me growing up where I would go there's like when I was young there's like hardly any cell service out there you were just in the middle of nowhere we have solar so anytime you could like charge any type of electronic it was off of purely solar power outhouse like all all of our um, spots out there like all, same deal like pretty like off the grid living and we loved it and like I grew up with that and I just think it's such a, a really good thing to have in your life and to fall back on and to have experienced as a kid like as an adult before my grandma passed I said to her I was like I now know how extremely lucky I was to grow up with that experience and this space and like to feel the peace out here and I would read so much out yes. there I just wrote a final exam yesterday so excited I have two books sitting here like ready to be read and I finally have time to read them so I'm so amazing. glad you guys love reading yes <laughs> I love it yeah I think it's just I don't know this world that we live in is so fast-paced and we're like told that we need to constantly be keeping up with that pace and I don't know. I, I sometimes say that I have like two different like personalities, I guess, like one that like likes to get to the top of mountains and ski big lines and the other one who like likes to drink tea and knit. And like those two spaces exist very deeply at the same time. Um, and yeah, I think also just like there's so much in this life that's be been created to be like easy, um, like this is audio so I just put that in quote air quotes um but like we walk into a room and switch on a, a light switch and just go do whatever and I think just like remembering where all those things come from and being able to like take the time to do them like we spent a week at the cabin in October and the first night we like went to go to sleep and it was pitch black and like right now I live in Salt Lake and there's like a street lamp outside our bedroom window and it was I was like oh my god it's so dark and it was just like so good I was like this is this is it <laughs> let's slow down and like not keep the pace that you know society makes you think you have to keep and I don't know chill a little bit <laughs> yeah I mean we have this rule we have all these like solar lights in, in the yard and when we're at the lake the rule is that anytime the lights go out the solar lights are out then that's when it's time to go to bed. And they go like fairly early. So yes. you end up, it's so dark and you end up not really staying up that late. So you wake up early in the morning because it's light out. You enjoy the entire day and then you're tired from doing that and the lights go out and you're ready to go to bed. Circadian it's rhythm so much more natural. <laughs> it's like how we were meant to exist on yes. this earth. Like that's it. Yeah. Well, Yes. Totally. Well, that's really exciting. Congratulations. Thanks. And Thanks. it's really exciting to be able to take that time and slow down because, yeah, society demands 
so much for us to be going all the time. And it often kind of feels like our value is based on our productivity. And so being able to counter that by your way of living, being able to slow down, like, I mean, we're all able to, but maybe kind of not having a choice, but to is a really nice. Yeah. Gift. Yeah. Um, you have to force you, yourself into it sometimes. <laughs> totally. And it's no fault of your own. It's the way that society has told you to value yourself. So it's really nice that you can counter that. Totally. Yeah. It'll be an experiment. I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah. yeah you're going to be like two different, people, <laughs> I know. you know, like it's almost going to be like you kind of go into like a hibernation during the summer opposite to the bears. Yeah. You live, you live opposite to the bears. That'll be it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be very real. <laughs> Good way to be. I mean, I imagine summers on the East coast, like they're probably still quite nice because yes. from what I've experienced, there's nothing wrong with summers on the East coast. It's just winters that can kind of suck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for, I think something I've met really missed since moving out west has just been like access to fresh water um and like I grew up with a river in my backyard and um you know as a kid you're like oh a river in your backyard okay everyone has that (laughs) and then you move away from it and I don't know yeah I just miss like sitting by rivers and lakes and there's plenty of that out here but I don't know I think the like the scale in the east it's just like feels like home yeah and I mean talking about your cabin you are very passionate about sustainability and you spoke about that with who you choose to work with as well in terms of like what is their commitment to sustainability um how how does that revolve around your life in Salt Lake City oh yeah (laughs) um Yeah, so I definitely struggle with Salt Lake summers. Um, This past summer was my first, or sorry, my second summer in Salt Lake. And um, I mean, it's hot in New England and humid and it can be 95 and 80% humidity. But somehow that feels more comfortable to me than like 105 and like 2% humidity. I think it's just like what you know. And, you know, it was really interesting when we bought this cabin and we started telling people the amount of people that were like, oh, so when the world really ends and the climate crisis really hits, like we can come, we can come like take shelter in your cabin. And I was like, holy cow, I never thought I would like buy a, buy something and like, it wasn't everybody, but like a large percentage of people, that was the reaction. And it was kind of like a wake up call of like, wow, this is the world we're living in. <clears throat> and everyone kind of said it as a joke. And maybe that's a defense mechanism that we're all using from time to time for sure. Um, but yeah, I think being in Salt Lake and like seeing the inversion in the winter and just seeing the air quality and, you know, the issues that we're going through with the great Salt Lake right now. And it just really shows that like this thing, even when I was in college eight years ago, five years ago, whatever, um, was talked about as like, this is coming. And like right now it's over there and it's like across the world, but like it will be here. Like mark my words, it'll be here. And it's like, wow, this is here. 
And it's really interesting. I think we live in this world right now of like, kind of like, I don't know, like pushing things away kind of quickly. Like something comes and we're like really into it for like a week. And like everybody's talking about it on Instagram for a week. And then we're like, oh, this is just the way it is. This is the world we live in. And everyone kind of like gets apathetic to it. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately. And I I think it's really a really interesting time in Salt Lake where like this is starting to be talked about more. And there's like a bunch of nonprofit organizations that are doing really awesome work to try and bring this to people's attention. Um, but yeah, it's here. It's in Salt Lake. I mean, it's across across the west the wildfires there was a wildfire in boulder like two days ago and like it's march like this isn't quote-unquote wildfire season and i think like i don't know my partner and i talk about it a lot of like climate anxiety and like my friends and i talk about it and like we're all feeling it and it's it's a really i don't know it can be a really hard place to be in and be like okay so what do we do um and so hard dude it's really hard um yeah and like I don't know I don't know what the solution is but I think I I don't know maybe I'm in a bubble but I do feel like I see more people caring and more people being becoming aware that it is happening right in front of them and it's not something that's happening in 2050 it's happening some it's happening in 2022 and it's happening right now um and I don't know like using those little avenues you have of like if you're in the ski industry, like using skiing to talk about climate change or, you know, I have a lot of folks that live here in the winter are also raft guides, river guides in the summer, and like talking to them about water issues and like how low the rivers are in the summer. It's all connected. And And that's, that's also why like access to outdoor spaces and outdoor recreation for everybody is so important because yeah, the climate crisis is rampant. It's not going anywhere. It's speeding up. I remember in Vancouver last year, we had a fire ban before Canada Day. Also, I mean, Canada Day. What day is Canada Day? Sorry. July 1st. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. Um, before July 1st, we had a fire ban. Wow. And normally we can go into – it normally hits, I would say, like August. Like you normally wow. have more time in the summer. But it hit in, in, at the end of June last wow. year. And so, yeah, it's happening. It's speeding up in our lifetimes. It's yeah. speeding up at a pace that is terrifying. Yeah. And, yeah, like in my perspective, access to these outdoor spaces and like showing people and allowing them to create a, a relationship with these spaces that we're asking them to protect is yeah. so important because you can't just beg that everybody get behind – the climate crisis if they don't have a relationship to to the outdoor spaces you know like if we're, we keep gatekeeping these spaces and we keep making mm-hmm. access difficult how the hell are people supposed to know why it's so amazing and why we should be fighting to protect it every single day like just small things that we can do to bring other people into the fold because we all probably have different opinions on different things, but I think something that a lot of people can agree on is the fact that we live in these really beautiful spaces that we need to protect and we all need to find a way to rally behind them and gather. Totally. And like you like to think, or, you know, I like to think that once someone has been shown 
whatever space it is you're talking about, like at that moment, and then you show it to them that they're like, oh, of course, how could we, mm-hmm. how could we just give this up? Um, maybe that's like overly po- uh, optimistic, but <laughs> I think we need some of that. These days, though. <laughs> I'll take a glass of optimism tea to offset everything Perfect. else. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I want to end on like a positive note. I'm like, oh. well, you like, don't want to like, end on our impending doom? <laughs> I mean, like, I, I get it. I have climate anxiety myself. Like, I feel that. <laughs> but I guess, like, um, before, we, before we go, is like, do you have any like career highlights or like, <laughs> yeah, like, what is pivot. Like, Yeah, pivot. Let's talk about something warm and happy before yeah. we go I love like, that do you I have any like really like career highlights things that stick out to you I mean I guess you did talk about that um that workshop that you did as being yeah. like a really good start for you but any projects you've worked on that you were just like it really just hit you right in the feels or yeah. made you realize that you're on the right path like mm. yeah. yeah I mean oh I feel like I've gotten to work with a lot of really really awesome people I think the the moment or like the first I mean there's moments all the time that I'm like what is happening how did this happen um but I think the first time that that like really really happened was uh in the winter of 2020 like before 2020 happened um (laughs) that uh Icelandic asked me they were doing a product shoot in Switzerland and Austria and they asked me to come along as a photographer and I was just like what (laughs) and I think that I kind of realized I was like wow this is like the whole time I was there I was like this is am I dreaming somebody pinch me what is happening this is like my 12 year old self is screaming right now my like at the time 20 five-year-old self was also screaming um (laughs) but yeah I think just like that moment I was really really grateful to be there we had so much fun the snow was awesome I mean they're kind of having a bad winter but like there was a few days of just really awesome snow and I think I don't know that kind of opened my eyes of like maybe this is all gonna all gonna happen maybe it's all gonna work um and then more recently um last winter the two films that I talked about that I was working on um it was just really cool to I'd like kind of dabbled in film since the end of high school and never really made it the forefront of my my career I still don't think it is I still like photography will always be my one true love and um I'm trying right now to find that balance of like yes I still want to do video work but like trying to keep it 50 50 because video is so hot right now and um but last last year working on those two films I just like feel like I like you know took a took a leap and was like let's do this I worked uh, I created a six minute film with Madison Ostergren um about just like basically her and you know being being following your dreams basically and being in this outdoor space and kind of what that looks like for her and that was, we learned a lot and, you know, we had ups and downs and in the end, I think we're both really proud of the piece that we created. And, um, it was really cool to, we basically, she was kind of, we were basically in the same point in our careers and we're like, let's, let's make something happen. And we did. And 
I think it's always a cool experience to like come up with an idea and then actually make it happen. Um, and then the other film that I worked on last winter is called Bus Day. Um, and it's about actually Adam just had an episode with Taylor on the pursuit that came out on Wednesday. Um, but it's about um, my partner and I created it together and it's about um, this guy named Taylor Martin um, and he, it's a long story. It's a half hour film, um, but his story is really, really powerful and impactful. And it's basically a story of recovering from a near death um, accident and, you know, his, his outlook, how that changes outlook on life and his battles with mental health issues. And there's a lot of different um, themes in there, but that was a, you know, a big undertaking. And again, learned a lot, most, you know, ups and downs and all that stuff. But in the end, again, a piece that we're really proud of the film was originally going to be 10 minutes and it turned out to be a half an hour. And, uh, just, yeah, we like went in full on and we're like, we're going to do this and see what happens. So I think, I don't know, making films is really special in that way of, um, it's a little bit more of a long-term process. And when you like hit the export button and it's done, it's like a really kind of surreal experience. Um, so yeah, just, uh, I want to keep creating and how, I think the biggest thing is like helping people tell their stories in ways that feel good to them. Um, and I don't know, it brings you to cool people in cool places. And I'm hoping I get to keep doing it for a very long time. Amazing. Well, storytelling is so important. So yeah, thank you for sharing that gift with the world. And thanks for helping people feel like their most authentic self, both through film and photo. Um, Is it was so dope talking to you today. Where can people find you? Where can they oh, follow man. you? Oh, man. So awesome talking to you guys, too. Um, I'd say I'm only really active on Instagram. I try to spend uh, not that much time on social media, which is hard, but I decided I don't need more than one app to make it happen. Um, so my Instagram handle is at ismotphoto. It's I-Z-M-O-T-T-E and then P-H-O-T-O. Um, and then if you're looking for more work, um, related stuff that's not just a square on Instagram. My website is islamot.com. Um, yeah, and if you see me in real life, let's hang out. As always, thank you for listening. We will see you next week. Stoked to bring you more episodes every Monday. Please, 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 if you could be so kind to leave us a review wherever it is that you're listening from, whatever platform that you use. Check us out on YouTube. The boys are really getting going on on the YouTube game. So there will be more content coming up there in the future. Out of Collective, we are so happy to have you. Happy to grow. Can't wait to keep this going and let us know how we're doing. We love you all. Have a good week.